Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi there, welcome to The Inner Life today. It's Tuesday uh, in this fourth week of Easter. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you joining us today. And today, along with being a Tuesday, it's also day number five, the fifth day in our Novena to St. Joseph And we're praying together for all of our different intentions, asking St. Joseph's intercession leading up to the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. That's this Saturday, May 1st. And so many of you who have written in with your specific prayer requests, your intentions uh, so far, I've read through every single one. I don't have uh, the, the time to be able to respond to everybody who writes in, but just be assured I have read through every single email. So many of you praying for your sons and daughters to come back to the church, um, a lot of you asking for employment for yourself or for a loved one uh, to be able to find that job. A lot of people that are asking for physical healing for yourself or for a loved one, and a lot of uh, requests for inten- the intentions for your marriage to be healed. Um, many others, too, but those are some of the common themes that have come through from so many of you. And if you haven't sent through something and you'd like it included in this novena, of course, you can join right here where you are right now, but you can also email that to me, and um, I'm just uh, including all of those together here as we pray. You can email those intentions to me at innerlife at relevantradio.com. Even though we're halfway through this novena, it's okay. You can join in right now. There's <laughs> there's no rule that says you can't join in right now. So again, that email address, life at relevantradio.com. I'll keep all of your uh, intentions confidential. I'm not going to share any of them on the air. Now, the prayer that I'm using, you can find it on the Relevant Radio app, and when you open up the app, in that upper right-hand corner, you'll see a pray icon, and if you tap on that, then in that menu, select Devotions. And you can scroll down and find the prayer, the Novena to St. Joseph. So let's join together right now. Let's uh, take all of those intentions that you've written in, or if you're just listening for the first time and hearing about this Novena, whatever you have uh, in your mind, whatever is on your heart, let's pray together asking St. Joseph to intercede for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, so prompt before the throne of God, I place in you all my interests and desires. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession and obtain for me from your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. O St. Joseph, I never weary contemplating you and Jesus asleep in your arms. I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him in my name, and kiss his fine head for me, and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. Saint Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
And so uh, we're looking forward to coming up a little later in the program. Uh, Father Rocky, our executive director for Relevant Radio, is uh, supposed to be stopping by. We're going to talk about the Walk to Mary that's coming up here at the end of this week, uh, May 1st. Not only the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, but also uh, it's the Walk to Mary. It uh, goes from the National Shrine of St. Joseph to the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Wisconsin. And it's a 21-mile walk. They've been doing this for many years. And so uh, Father Rocky should be stopping by later to talk with us about that. But today, uh, you know, we've started praying, started the hour by praying our novena to St. Joseph. And as I talk about this walk to Mary, Mary the Blessed Mother, the Queen of Angels and Saints, the Catholic Church, a lot of times, it can come under fire from non-Catholics for worshiping Mary or worshiping other saints. We as Catholics, we know this isn't the case. Worship is reserved for God and God alone. And today on The Inner Life, We want to look at how we should approach the subject of worship, how we can worship God in the very best possible way. And specifically, we want to look and talk about worshiping God through music and through song. And so for yourself, how does music help you to be able to enter into that atmosphere, that attitude of worshiping God? How does music help elevate the words at Mass for you to be able to participate in that heavenly banquet? That's what we want to talk about today with the help of one of our spiritual directors, Father Keith Romke. He's a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and the pastor of St. Patrick's Parish in Dixon, Illinois. Father Romke, so glad to have you here on The Inner Life today. Thank you so much. Glad to be here with you. Yes, and Father, as I mentioned, um, Catholics can come under fire from Protestants or evangelicals as, as worshiping Mary and other saints. And perhaps to start off, we can distinguish, we can clarify that our love and our devotion that are shown to the saints, shown to our Blessed Mother, um, that this is not worship. You know, even when we talk about praying to the saints, a lot of times for non-Catholic Christians, they can look at that word pray and equate that with worship. But we've got some maybe confusion over definition, so it might be good to define what true worship is and how it is only given to God, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can you help us kind of uh, parse through that a little? Absolutely. Yeah, worship is such such a gift to be able to worship God. Worship, what it truly is at its core, is it's adoration, and it's humbly recognizing God's greatness. It's exalting Him, showing gratitude, um, placing our hope and our life in God's hands, handing ourselves over to Him. and I think within I would say that the, the key is this humble recognition of God's greatness, knowing who he is, knowing who we are, and being grateful and putting ourselves out there for him in recognition of who he is and, and understand the relationship that, that we have with him. And so we look to the saints and we we revere them for the greatness that they have but the thing that we realize is the greatness that they have, they have because God has given it to them. Um, and so I, I think Mary, um, you know, we look to Mary and her incredible greatness. But one of the greatest hymns of praise that's ever uh, been written is in Scripture um, from Mary's own mouth, which is the Magnificat, where she begins by saying, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Right. Mary doesn't say, I'm great, look at me. She is great because of what God has given her, but she says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. She puts all that glory towards God. 
we do the same. We worship God. We give him all the glory. But the beautiful thing is that we can see that glory reflected in the saints. And God has, has given them greatness, just like God gives us um, greatness and God gives us beautiful things. And hopefully people are able to see um, that in us and be inspired by us. But we would never want people to just look at us from the, the beautiful things that God gives us and to say, oh, just look at me and stay here looking at me. If we do, that's pride and we need to work on that. <laughs> um, but true worship is, is humbly saying, yes, Lord, you're incredible. Whatever greatness I have, it's only because of you. So, Lord, I praise you, I thank you, and I just glorify your name for who you are and the fact that you, you love me. Uh, thank you for that explanation, Father Omke. And as I said, we want to especially look at that component of music and how it can uh, take worship to a new level. And there's, I, I, I'm a convert to the church, but um, I think within the first year, I heard somebody who quoted this quote attributed to St. Augustine, and it's that singing is praying twice. And that really stuck with me, that when we pray, you know, there's that, that uh, communication, that dialogue that's happening with God. When we uh, sing those prayers, it takes it to a new place. It doubles the intensity of what we're saying in those prayers. I was, I was reading through the Catechism of the Catholic Church this morning in preparation for our conversation today, and I was actually shocked, very pleasantly so, but shocked that when I read in the Catechism about music in paragraph 1156, it states that music, the musical tradition of the universal church is a treasure of inestimable value, greater even than that of any other art. And when I think of the Sistine Chapel, that ceiling there, the stained glass windows that are in so many different cathedrals around the world, when I think of the different icons, the different statues, that enrich our surroundings in different parishes and different churches, different chapels. It's pretty amazing to think and to hear from the catechism that music of the church, the music of the church is of greater value than any other art within the church. And why is music so important for us in worshiping God? Why would the, why would the, the teaching of the church put it at such a high level? That is such an incredible thing from the catechism. Um, I think the reason why the church puts it at such a beautiful level is because it hits us on the level of the heart. Obviously, other art can as well. Um, but music truly is an expression from from the heart. I always can say from, from our very soul, from our depth. Um, and we know that the angels and the saints are gathered around the throne of God. So I would say that when we sing um, and especially in particular when we sing praise to God, what we are doing is we are mirroring, not even mirroring, we are joining in the praise, not even mirroring, it, it truly is joining because the angels and saints are in heaven singing to God. We are singing to God at the same time. And so what we are doing when we sing, when we are making music for the Lord, is we are truly joining in to what is going on in heaven in the current moment. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, the scene in John's book, Revelation, uh, at the end of our Bible, where there are those creatures that are around the throne, and they proclaim day and night without ever ending, 
and they're, I, I forget the exact words, I don't have it in front of me, but something along the lines of what we pray in Mass, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Uh, and they continue on again and again and again. I remember years ago, I was in part of a Bible study group, and the question got raised there at that point of what kind of angels, what kind of creatures are they? You know, they've got six wings, they're flying, they hide their face with two wings, they cover their feet with two wings, and with two of the wings, they fly. And I ended up reading this commentary on that, and it said the real, the real issue here is not what kind of creatures are these, it's the fact that they're hiding their face, that they don't even feel worth being seen. They're not the central focus. The central focus is Jesus. They're the lamb that's on the throne, and that should be the direction that all of us, we shouldn't be caught up by all these other things that are happening around it. We should be caught up on what is in the center, what is the center of our faith. It's Christ himself. Uh, it was just such a beautiful explanation of that. When I was looking for another answer and it just said, no, the real answer you want is Jesus himself. What's so, what's so beautiful about that is that these are these are angels who we know are these elevated creatures that are so incredible and so far beyond us, and yet they humbly are covering their faces before God. They are focusing on God. Um, beautiful just to kind of see that even these in, these incredible creatures, these creatures that we would say, you know, these these creatures of perfection, that there they are, realizing God's glory. Yeah, and that was actually an experience of mine, too, where uh, reading through that book of Revelation, um, when I was younger, I used to read through it and say, there's so much to try and decipher here. There's so much to try and figure out. And at one point, as a young adult, I read through it, and I didn't worry about trying to say, what does this mean? Or what, you know, when will this happen? Or what, what is that supposed to point to? And I just read through and looked, and almost every chapter in the book of Revelation, you know, it starts out with the first three, uh, I think it's the first three chapters that have those letters that are written. They're the words of Jesus himself to the different churches scattered around the world at that time. Um, but then after that, almost every chapter you read through, there is this proclamation, this singing, this rejoicing, this praising of God of Jesus and him being revealed as the triumphant warrior, the king, the the lamb who was slain, who is the king. And it, it just, it changed reading that book for me so much to where it was no longer about deciphering. It was just, boy, we can just join together. Like you were saying, we join together with heaven in that singing, that rejoicing, that praising of Jesus. And uh, yeah, it, it really did change. I it also, I think, helped me to look at other areas in Scripture, and maybe that's a good place that we can kind of talk about. Um, you know, in so much of Scripture, we have these different songs that are scattered throughout. You mentioned Mary's Magnificat. You, you know, uh, we see when um, things are happening in the Old Testament, there'll be times where somebody will break out into song there, you know, um, when Moses crosses... Uh, through the Red Sea, and they're saved from the Egyptian army. And then there's a song, and we, we hear that proclaimed at the Easter Vigil Mass. Um, we have points where different hymns, we have an entire book that's dedicated to, you know, the songs there, the psalms themselves. Um, but we, 
we see the lyrics to these songs that are scattered throughout the Bible. We don't have the notes to sing. They're in different languages. How can we kind of look at these songs throughout Scripture and, and allow them to come more alive for us? Yeah, and I would, I would, realizing that those words, when they came forth, that uh, a lot of, it, it isn't as if, you know, Moses, let's say, when he's saying that, or Mary, when she's saying that, it isn't as if they sat down and they composed a song. You know, nowadays when we think about people writing a song, you know, they'll sit down in the studio and, you know, I maybe just imagine somebody, you know, writing something down and, oh, no, that's not it, crossing out or, you know, ripping out the paper and crumpling it up and throwing it away. Like, these were songs that just came forth from their hearts um, and realizing that it's something very natural, that it, it truly comes from their hearts, not just from their mind. Um, again, it's going to make sense. Like when I say it's not coming from their mind, it's still going to make sense and be logical, but that prayer and, and song of prayer, it needs to be an expression coming forth from our hearts. Um, I would say with song, even just thinking, let's take the most secular thing possible, um, a sporting event, you know, something exciting happens. And when something exciting happens, what happens? People jump up and they start screaming. They're vocalizing something. It's like there's something that's coming from them. There's this, this, this emotion, this energy that comes from them, and they want to express how they feel. There's nothing to be more excited about than we have a God who loves us, who sees exactly where we are, sees that, yes, we have our weaknesses, but that loves us anyways, that comes down, teaches us how to love, has truly died for us and redeemed us and desires to have a relationship with us. I can't think of anything more worthy of, of, of screaming about. I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> Cubs fan. I scream and I mean, I was, I was singing like crazy when they won the World Series. That is nothing compared to what God has done for us. Um, and so I think it is beautiful to be able to to sing to the Lord. And maybe I'll even say that, you know, for somebody who wants to, to praise and to worship the Lord in a deeper way and try something new with prayer, maybe I'll even throw out there just as, a, as an option, maybe, you know, go for a walk later today and just start singing. Like as you're praying, rather than just, you know, verbalizing the words in your head, it doesn't matter what tune it's to, you know, it can be, just start singing and just allow yourself to be, to be free and to truly just praise the Lord with whatever it is that comes to your heart, whatever it is that, that you're grateful for. You know, if you're struggling, sing a prayer of gratitude for the fact that you know that the Lord is with you in that. Um, prayer can just be, or singing can just be a really just freeing form of, of praying that really allows you to get in touch with your heart, with your soul, and truly in touch with the Holy Spirit that's given to us at baptism and then sealed into us at confirmation. Our spiritual director today is Father Keith Romke, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. We're talking about how music helps us to enter into that atmosphere, that attitude of worship. How does it help you? How does music help elevate the words at Mass for you to be able to participate there? in what's happening. How does it help you to draw closer to God? Our studio line is open, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll have more on this, on uh, talking about music and worship towards God, right after this short time out here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. 
For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Keith Romke, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, talking about how music can take us to the next level in our worship of God. And uh, whether that's on our own, as Father Romke talked about, maybe you can go on your own walk, and as you're praying, you can uh, you know, just sing what you feel in your heart towards God, uh, your love, your devotion, your gratitude for all that he's blessed you with. Um, also, in the, the, the um, structure of the liturgy, you know, at Mass, how we incorporate song into our worship experience there. And we're taking your calls as well, 888-914-9149. How does music help you to enter into that place of worship? What has been something that has allowed you to experience your faith in a deeper way because of the music that has been there that has helped accompany the words that we're praying? Uh, Again, the studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father Romke, right before the break, you were talking about how music, it really helps us express how we feel. And I was thinking about that music is really subjective, you know, and it almost always is meant to elicit that emotional response. But I also think that we have to be kind of cautious that we don't rely strictly on our emotions, that we allow our emotions to dictate how we approach worshiping Jesus. And, you know, we can't just say, well, I can worship when the music really, really pulls me into that moment, but we can't let that lack of emotional response from music at Mass to result in feeling like we didn't encounter Jesus, that we didn't commune there with Christ in the Mass either. Exactly. I think the the way that I think I can best describe it is that music, um, essentially, it sets the table um, at Mass. Um, It sets the table for the banquet and the feast that the Lord is giving us in feeding us with his, his body and his blood. Um, and so, you know, if we're going to have a banquet, if we're going to have something beautiful that somebody, you know, pre- prepares for us, obviously you walk into that room and if, if things are just beautifully displayed in front of us, that's going to help us to enjoy the meal. Is it going to change the taste of the food? No. Is it going to change the, the nourishment? And of course I'll use that because the Eucharist, the nourishment that we receive and what it is that we're actually receiving into ourselves, does the way the table is set actually change that? No, but it can certainly help us to appreciate and enter into things in a deeper way. And so I would say that when we have beautiful music, music that really moves our hearts, it can get us get our hearts in a better place to be able to receive that gift that we're that we're being given. But if we have the nicest meal we're ever going to eat and we're eating it on, on paper plates because that's all there is, um, just because there's, you know, some parishes are blessed with absolutely incredible music ministry. Some, there are people with incredible, incredible hearts who they give what God gave them, you know, and, and maybe it's not not the most beautiful, but it's still 
allowing us to get to where we need to be to to be able to receive um receive the lord um i would say too that when it comes to just emotions with music and you know just with with praying whether it's in the mass or outside of the mass it is a god gives us emotions for for a reason um when we have uh, you know feel something well enough in us that's a beautiful thing um when we feel sad it doesn't mean that god isn't with us you know um the thing that I think is, is important is to realize that emotions are not good or bad in themselves. Um, emotions are, in a sense, something that, that happened to us. If I'm sad, I I can try to change that, but I, I can't, I don't choose the fact that I'm sad. It just kind of happens. Um, and so it's what's the next step. So we can't just say, okay, yes, I have beautiful music, and this music really makes me connected to the Lord, so I just listen to music, and that's my religious experience, and that's all I do. We need to let it lead us into closer union with the Lord and to have it not just be about us. I have this emotion. I feel good. So this is wonderful. Great. This is good. I feel wonderful. So now I'm going to turn that and say, Lord, thank you so much for allowing me to have this experience and for allowing me to, to feel and to sense your goodness and your love. Mm. Uh, one other thing that comes to mind, Father Anki, is the way that the music can be performed at Mass. Um, you know, I've been to different parishes where the music was performed extremely well, and you could tell that the musicians had rehearsed. They'd put that necessary time in it ahead in practicing, and it made the Mass this beautiful experience, especially, you know, some of the um, uh, times when I've gone to Mass or during the Triduum, the Good Friday service that we have— it really is amazing, you know, the, the, the way that that music helps you enter in in a more deep way into the liturgy. But there's also been times where I've been to Mass and the music was very poorly played or sung. Uh, different mistakes made on the piano or the organ. Uh, the cantor was having some difficulty, you know, maybe with not knowing the song as well as they should have or being a little off, off key, off pitch. Um, and just full disclosure, that's I actually went to college for music theory and composition, so I can be so extremely critical when it comes to music at mass in any sort of—not just at mass, in any sort of setting. So I always try and have that kind of charitable attitude, uh, but that music, it can also become a distraction at a certain point, and what advice maybe can you give us in that situation when, when we're being distracted from the mass— by maybe some poor preparation or poor musicianship, and nothing against the people. You know, they're they're there in front trying to help people enter into that that worship atmosphere. But it, it can become that distraction. What what should we do at that point? Yeah, I those are some tough moments. Um, I've had those moments where you know the the during the psalm, you know, that the cantor's up there singing and. My my focus becomes not even so much like focusing on the words, but my focus is like praying, dear Lord, please help them to get through right. this. Because <laughs> you know? um, it can it can be can be painful. Um, and I would say in those moments that what we need to strive to do is to really focus on the words, um, focus on the words that are being spoken because. They, the words might be spoken, you know, are sung beautifully, or they may be sung not so beautifully. Um, but to try to realize that the truth behind those words um, is true, and really, what the song is is the song is a vehicle for the truth of those words to be spoken. So to be able to to be able to tell ourselves, okay, 
maybe I'm not being being moved and maybe I don't feel my heart soaring up to God, you know, and being lifted and aided by the music itself, but to try to focus in on, okay, what are the words that are being spoken and how is God trying to, to speak to me through that? All right. Our spiritual director today, Father Keith Romke, in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and uh, many phone calls that are coming in, Father. So let's go to Monica. She's listening in Reno. Hi, Monica. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Good morning. Thank you very much, and thank you for taking my call. When I heard the topic of this um, this program, I, I was hoping that I could get through. Um, the points that are being brought up are so very valid. I'm a cantor over at the Cathedral of St. Thomas Aquinas in Reno, and I can tell you after being a cantor for about 50 years, I have noticed that our cathedral, that when the time of the Holy Holy comes into the Mass, there is a whole change of atmosphere that can be felt um, by myself and by others who have shared this with me. And it is an atmosphere and a feeling that is, and an emotion that is off the earth, if I may say that, because we are beginning to enter into that heavenly liturgy. Um, It's my job as a cantor in the very beginning to set the tone for how the music is going to go. And the first thing I do is I welcome the people and I wish God's peace upon them. And that kind of brings them into a different frame of mind away from the world. So once we get there and once the Mass begins and then we head into the responsorial psalm for the cantor, I will tell you for a lot of us, that is the most tender and the most divine moment that a cantor can sing because it reaches to the hearts very directly um, by the words that we sing and that we are proclaiming. It is a very tender moment and it can be felt. And people seem to want to join in with the responsorial psalm sometimes more than any other parts of the music. Now, during communion at our church, I've noticed that people become very solemn. They become very in the moment. They become very, um, I failed to find the words to describe how, um, how majestic the whole feeling of the church comes into this atmosphere, this aura, and it is really very, very beautiful. And there are a lot of times that cantors make a mistake, don't have enough practice, didn't sleep well the night before. However, all the cantors that I know, they take this ministry very serious because they realize that they're an instrument in the liturgy of our salvation. And it goes way beyond the music. It goes in the example of our lives. As soon as we walk into the church, people know who we are. People expect good music. And sometimes for myself personally, if I haven't slept well or I don't know the, the music as well as I think I should, then I just ask God to straighten up all those notes before they get to heaven because nothing imperfect can enter heaven. So I rely on that. But I think for a lot of us, we become very conscious of the angels and the saints that are descending at the moment of the Holy Holy. And from there, the atmosphere changes to a very majestic and a holy presence that can be felt physically. People cry, people shake. The comments after Mass are wonderful as to what they've experienced. And music adds to all of that. And I do agree that it is probably 
very different in the way that it adds to the mass regarding the artwork in the mass. The artwork is visual, but the music is internal. And when that music comes out and is expressed eternally, it adds to the beauty of the paintings and the pictures and the statues. And I am very grateful that our pastor, um, Father Chuck, he allows us to sing all the parts of the Mass. And he has a wonderful and a beautiful voice that blends with the choir that's singing or blends with me as a cantor. And when people hear that, there is an elevation. There's just an elevation that brings such holiness to the Mass. And that's how it should be. It's so beautiful, and I'm so glad that you shared that. And I just I agree 100%. And what a gift that you're able to experience, and the people are able to experience that. Yeah, when we're singing the holy, 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 entering into this moment, heaven truly is coming down, and and the angels and the saints are truly with us in that moment. And so, what a gift that that people at your parish and are able to to experience that in a deep way. And Monica, you said you've been cantering for 50 years, is that correct? About 50, 50 years, right. Wow, that is fantastic. Well, thank you for, thank you for uh, calling in and sharing your perspective and also for just uh, offering so many years of service and volunteering for your own parish there for the cathedral. Um, Father Ronke, we're coming up to where we need to take another time out, but we're going to take more phone calls coming up next. So Haley and Terry, Maria, we're going to try and get you on here in just a moment. Uh, but we are talking about music, how that music allows us to elevate our experience of the Mass, of our prayer, um, of what we experience in that worship of God. How does that work in your life? How does music help elevate those words at Mass for you to be able to participate in the Mass? Uh, You can give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. More after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Keith Romke. He's a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, pastor of St. Patrick's Parish in Dixon, Illinois. And we're talking about music and how that elevates our worship of God. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. If you missed any of the earlier portion of the program and you'd like to go back and hear it, if you just joined us within the last few minutes, you can always listen to the podcast at our website, relevantradio.com, or through the Relevant Radio app, and the app is absolutely free, so if you haven't downloaded it, I highly recommend that you do so. Um, Not only can you listen to the live programs or past recorded programs, it also has all kinds of different resources on there, different prayers, uh, text of prayers, audio prayers that you can pray along with, uh, has a confession helper, so many other good things there on the app. Uh, But again, we're talking about 
having that experience of music and allowing us to deepen our experience of worship with God. And we're taking your phone calls. Let's go to Haley, who's listening in Cookville, Tennessee. Hi, Haley. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to um, express the beauty of the mass service music. Um, I've been singing it since I was a kid. I grew up standing in the choir with my parents, even as like a toddler. Um, And so this service music has just always been part of my life. And um, I think a lot of people, when I go to mass, as a musician, uh, you know, I look around and people just sort of tune out during the uh, the glory to God or the uh, the holy holy or the the mystery of faith. Um, they they tune out, and it's it's really such a shame because we don't realize how biblical and how much history is in the words that we're saying, and. Um, I think that even if, you know, even if the cantor is struggling that day, well, for one thing, if you can sing and read music, please go and sing at your church. Please offer your services, because especially during this pandemic, the cantors have had such a hard time. Um, they're being called on to do every single mass, or they just don't have as many people as they, they should be able to. So please, if you can serve in that way, please do. Um, but anyways... You know, people, you need to be focusing on the, the words because even the antiphons, um, the chants, they are gorgeous, just beautiful in their words. And um, I just want to encourage everybody to, even even if it does feel like it's, it's hard to hard to listen to if you can if you can pick out the words and say to yourself, where is that in the Bible? And then maybe look for it later, you know it's almost always either in the Bible or in the, I'm sure in the traditional uh, church fathers or things like that. So that's what I wanted to say there, but I could talk for hours. Beautiful. And Haley, I am so, you're amazing. Thank you. And I love, as you started talking and sharing this, the gift of singing, the next thing that I was going to say when I got a chance to talk was going to be, if you can sing, please sing at your parish. So that was totally a Holy Spirit moment, just a confirmation. When you actually started to say that, I was like, yes, Haley, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, I was actually just looking up um, a liturgical document on music in the, in the liturgy um, that the church put out a little, little while ago. Um, and there was one line from it that just really stuck out at me that I wanted to share at some point today. And so this is straight from the Vatican. And it says, one cannot find anything more religious and more joy in sacred celebrations than a whole congregation expressing its faith and devotion in song. And that's the whole converse, the whole congregation. Um, I always love to joke around that if you feel that you can't sing, right? If you feel that you can't sing, I'm not saying to join the choir. I'm not saying to be a cantor, but there is nothing more beautiful than the whole congregation expressing its faith and its devotion in song. If God gave you a voice that, you know, might not be as beautiful as others, you know what? God gave it to you, so give it back to him. Go ahead and sing and, and express and allow, allow your own heart to, to, to well up and to, to be expressed in song. Mm, that's beautiful. You know, I mean, I think for any parent out there who, uh, if they have a young child, a four-, or five-, six-year-old child who draws them a picture— 
And the child is so proud of it and presents it as a gift to their parents. Uh, you know, it, it might go up on the refrigerator, you know, pinned up there with a magnet. And it's not that that picture is something that would mean anything to anyone else. Uh, you know, anybody else might look at it and say, well, it's just a bunch of scribbles and lines and, you know, the colors from the crayons kind of go outside of the intended areas and, uh, you know, the lines aren't straight, the circles aren't perfectly spherical. Um, You know, there's all these problems with it. But for the parent who receives that gift from their child, it's a treasure and they will look at that and know this was something made of love for me. It might not ever make its way into any sort of museum. It might not be on display for anybody else to see other than the family in that house. But uh, just in the same way as you're saying, Father Romke, being able to sing out to God, knowing that uh, I'm doing my best, even if it's not as good as some of the other uh, more advanced uh, singer, singers or musicians, I'm just going to offer what I can to God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Terry, who is listening in California. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the program today. Hi, thank you. Uh, great topic. Um, I want to share just the experience for me with music in the church is always at Christmas. And when we sing uh, O Holy Night, Silent Night, I can't even get through with it because I start to cry. It just permeates my soul the gratitude and knowing what God has done is bringing his son into earth and Mary, her, her magnificent yes to it all. It totally takes me in the music, the words of what God is doing for us at Christmas time. And he's in our world now. I can't, again, I try to sing and then I'll start to cry every time. And then I know right now we are in the pandemic time and I know there's a lot of parishes that don't allow the singing. Um, And I'll tell you what, I have to, I've got my mask on. I still sing under my breath. I'm not belting it out like I normally would, but what makes me do it. And I don't know where this is coming from. If it is Holy spirit, but I feel it's my guardian angel that tells me you have to sing. You have to say this gratitude of thanking God through music. And it is unbelievable how music really gives you that full of gratitude towards God. I am, I'm so grateful, and I can kind of sing, but um, without that singing in the church, I, I, don't, I don't even know how, how, great that, how great it would be without really singing. And I do see a lot of people that don't sing, and I understand there's a lot of people embarrassed if they don't have a good voice. Sing in your mind, like just belt it out in your mind, because to me, that is getting, that's what we're going to be doing when we're in heaven. We're going to be doing nothing but singing to, to God all day long. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we have the music in our mouth. And I can't wait till we can start singing out loud again and not have to be kind of pushed back right now because of the pandemic. But that's all I wanted to say. I just, the music at Christmas time just absolutely grabs my soul. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And Terry, I got to tell you, Holy Night is my favorite song, not just favorite Christmas song. It is my favorite song of all time. And even, even as you were talking, I started thinking about my favorite musical moment in history is when, when the, 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 the chords change and the fall on your knees. It's just, and I actually, as I was listening to, I actually started to get chills. So it's just, music does something like you're saying, it does something in our heart. And, and, and in our soul, and it truly, it just, it is a beautiful way of connecting us with 
with God, you know. And God is always singing his song of love over us, and we need to, to listen to that. And it might not be, it might not even that we actually hear, you know, notes. But I, I love to think about the way that God, you know, speaks to us. That God doesn't only speak to us, he, he sings to us. Because what is, what is singing? And truly, it's, you know, it's, it's words that are in, in harmony. Um, and it's when we look in, into the world and just see, see order and see beauty and different things, to see that it's truly God singing to us his, his love song, really. Mm. Terry, thanks so much for calling in and sharing uh, just your experience there at Mass, especially at Christmas time. And Father, as you're talking about Oh Holy Night, you know, being your favorite song there, there are some hymns or some songs that are just so beautiful to us. The lyrics, they're rich, they're full of meaning. The music is composed with this wonderful melody. And, uh, you know, some of them are, are extremely difficult, like Oh Holy Night. I mean, some of those notes get up there, but uh, a, a lot of songs, they're simple enough that everybody can sing along with them. But then there are some songs that we might encounter that lack some substance, either lyrically or musically or both. And there was this uh, quote I remember from C.S. Lewis. I heard it years and years ago, and I looked it up. I thought he said that he considered a lot of church music to be uh, second-rate poems set to third-rate music, I was wrong. He actually grades it lower than that. The actual quote, he said, <laughs> I disliked the very much their hymns, which I considered to be fifth-rate poems set to sixth-rate music. But then he goes on, he says, but as I went on, I saw the great merit of it. I came up against different people of quite different outlooks and different education, and then gradually my conceit just began peeling off. I realized that the hymns which were just sixth-rate music, were, nevertheless, being sung with devotion and benefit by an old saint in boots in the opposite pew, and then you realize that you aren't even fit to clean those boots. It gets you out of your solitary conceit. And as I said earlier in the hour, music can really be about taste, and taste is subjective. Um, so I like Lewis's take on church on music at church, uh, especially when it's music you don't necessarily care for. But what do you think, Father? You know, we want to be charitable, but I think we can also be honest about the fact that there are certain songs we might not care for as much as other songs, but then other parishioners might dislike songs that we think are wonderful. They might love songs that we could do without. Right, absolutely. And I would say, you know, within within the liturgy, I would say it's important that we know um, that we know our place, um, you know, and that we don't suddenly try to say, you know, this is these are the songs that should be being sung and whatever that we entrust that to, you know, to the people, you know, in our parish to that are that are in charge of that. But I would say that if, you know, some people say, Oh gosh, I don't like, you know, Christian music or I don't like, you know, praise and worship music. I will say there are different kinds, you know, there's kind of, you know, some mainstream Christian music that you may hear on the radio that, you know, kind of songs about God or songs just kinda of have a positive message then there are more kind of what we would refer to as like praise and worship um, groups like Hillsong or Bethel or Passion Worship, different things like that, that kind of more um, are truly are worship and truly, you know, addressed to God. There's different genres, there's different ways. And so my encouragement would be that if there's a certain kind that you really don't like, you know, like, oh gosh, that just seems really cheesy to me. Don't give up on it. Try to find, try to find the genre of music that you like and see a way that that 
can be, you know, turned to worship God. Because I can guarantee that there is, this might sound strange to put it this way, there are probably, you know, country worship songs, and I can guarantee that there are rap worship songs. Maybe, you know, maybe you cringe when I say rap worship songs, but if if rap that speaks to you and you can find music within that that actually truly does sing God's praises and worship God, what a beautiful thing to be able to experience God in that way that works for you, truly, and in a subjective way, but objectively worshiping God. All right. Father Romke is our spiritual director today, and Father, uh, we've got just a couple minutes left, but let's try and get one more phone call in. Joanne is listening in Lockhart, Texas. Hi, Joanne. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi. I'm glad y'all got me on here real quick. I have a beautiful quote I saw at a friend's house years ago, and I would love for every church to post this. It says, the words would be awfully quiet if only the best birds sang. Everybody needs to sing. All the birds in the woods sing, not just the good ones. And that's all I wanted to say to everybody. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely, Joanne. I'm smiling just uh, at at that quote. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how many parishes will put that up in their in their uh, narthex or in their foyer, but uh, it's such a good such a good uh, note to end on. Uh, no pun intended here, but Father, um, yeah. Just as we wrap up the hour here, being able to have that ability to sing out again, uh, I, I kind of want to emphasize here and maybe give you the final word. Um, it shouldn't just be we do the things we're good at. And it shouldn't be uh, nervousness that somebody else is going to judge us. If we love God, we should just sing to the very best ability that we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that music within worship and singing, it's allowing God to know how much we love him and appreciate him. Someone may not be a great orator, you know, or feel that they're not great with words, but when they are with someone that they love, even if they aren't going to be able to come up with this elaborate poetic thing that's going to go on a Hallmark card, I'm sure they are going to use the words that they have to express to someone that they love how much they love them and that that person is going to receive it like, wow, okay, this is beautiful. Like you said, that whole idea of the drawing on the refrigerator. And so however we can do it, you know, whether it's, you know, whether we're going to you know, be a, a, a Grammy winner, or if people are going to plug their ears, you know, the important thing is that we are expressing our prayer to God. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Father Keith Romke, our spiritual director, pastor of St. Patrick's Parish in Dixon, Illinois. And Father, we're down to about our last minute here. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the show today? Absolutely. So we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank, we thank you for singing your song of love over us. And we pray that you just allow us to worship you, allow us to have love of you well up into our hearts, and to, to take that and to give it over to you. So may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Romke, for being here with us today on the program. And coming up tomorrow, I hope you'll join us, Father Eric Nielsen. We're going to be talking about examination of conscience and how we can examine our own consciences, how we can uh, have a better approach to that. 
And, of course, we'll be taking your phone calls. want to encourage you again, join us at the beginning of every hour this week on The Inner Life for that Novena to St. Joseph prayer that leading up to this Saturday, uh, May 1st, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. If you have any prayer intentions that you would like included, you can email those to me at innerlife at relevantradio.com. Again, I will keep all of your prayer intentions confidential. Stay tuned for Mass. Coming up next, Father Rocky is the celebrant, and have a wonderful day.